Hey, welcome to the Pastor Duke Podcast. I have a blessing for you today. Video version. Uh, <laughs> you have to put up with my face, but uh, sitting next to me is the guy I like to call the man. He is none other than <laughs> Pastor John, John Westfall. This is the guy that got me into podcasting, oh. so you can blame it all on him. But I want you to know this guy's heart. Yeah, he's tough as woodpecker lips on some things. <laughs> <laughs> we did a podcast on do, do pets go to heaven, and he cried three times during that. Oh, <laughs> so you're only tough on the outside, Pastor John. Uh, hide it well, right? <laughs> you, but uh, we uh, want to just kind of share our pastoral hearts uh, with all of you today for the purpose of, uh, you know, getting to know John, not just the, the guy you hear about uh uh, on my podcast, uh, according to John, I, th right. I know many of you already right. listen. How do they find that, Pastor John? Uh, any podcast platform, go to according to John. First one that pops up, you'll know it is green and black logo. So mm -hmm. you will know it. It's, and the cool part is, it is. I went from being like number five hundred <laughs> to being number one now. When you when you put it in, ah, how about that? Yeah, it's very cool. Must be divine intervention. So. Uh, here you see us in my studio, which is actually his stu studio <laughs> with a little technical pushing the button to get a different screen in the back. But uh, uh, John allows me to use his equipment when we do the video and uh, version of Pastor Duke. And uh, you probably already picked up. I kind of like this guy a little bit. I just, just a and I, just but I'm not too smart. <laughs> and I, I haven't figured out why. I you. have no credibility. I'm not very smart. Yeah. So I don't know what good it's going to do you. But right. I do love this guy. So that's our intent today. Put it right out there. I want you to know yeah. his heart. But I want you also to know some of the burdens that pastors are under so that you would undergird your pastor with prayer, that you would right. love him, give him some space, give him some patience, because I, I know there's the fake guys out there. I know there's the phonies and there's the hucksters. And <laughs> I've done a couple, <laughs> I've done a couple podcasts on that recently. Uh, but man, I'm telling you for every one that I know that's a mess there, I, I know 50 to a hundred that are the real deal. And this is one of the real deals right next to me today. So Pastor John, we had done a, a podcast together, audio, way back in the beginning, and we, we talked a lot about, uh, you know, your beginnings, your uh, your salvation experience. So I don't want to rehash that, but I'll tell our audience that you and I came, both grew up in Ohio. Yep. Uh, of course, I'm about 75 not, years old. Not too far apart from yeah, one another. Less than an hour. I yeah. Think less than an hour. Yeah. Apart. Yeah. We're both Buckeyes, which yeah. means worthless nut, <laughs> right? And, uh, and it is. That's the funny thing. It is. Unless they made the peanut butter Buckeyes. Oh, yes. Yes. That's the only good Buckeyes that I know. Right. And a football team. We do have and a football got team. Got a good football team. <laughs> yes, it is. College. But uh, uh, Johnny and I came out of the world, uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll, and all, all, the, all the filth and all that. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He completely changed us. And maybe you can just hit that just, just in passing, but I really want you to go into your calling to ministry. It's a little bit different for everybody, but I, I want, I would like our, my audience to hear about your, uh, quickly about your salvation and your call into ministry. Yeah. So I got saved in, it was October 2nd, 1994. And I knew within the first two years, three years that God was calling me into the ministry, but I was fighting it. Like I didn't want to, John, you fight everything. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to be a part of it because I, I had time to see what my pastor went through. Yeah. And I thought, man, I, I, there's nothing about this. I want, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, truth be told yeah. now, I wouldn't mind being an evangelist and then going to other churches, blow it up and leave. I mean, yeah. that was, <laughs> preaching's the easy part. <laughs> That's the easy part. But pastoring, man, like if you're going to be the real deal pastor, uh, it's going to cost you in ways that you don't even yeah, process. Pretty much everything. Everything. Living in a glass yeah. house and everybody yeah. has an opinion on everything that you do. Yeah. And uh, your children uh, are, you know, we call them PKs for a reason because it's just a, a different world they're in. Yeah. So your call was uh, just kind of, uh, you were so radically changed and yes. everybody knew that. and it was, Instantly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was mentioned it about coming. Mentioned about coming off alcohol without the the shakes and the DTs. I, this is oh. this is huge. Yeah. So you know, I get saved October second, nineteen ninety four, and then 
I go home from that Sunday. Now, mind you, you know, I had been doing drugs at an early age. I mean, I was nine years old, you know, I'm smoking cigarettes at seven, doing drugs at nine. Uh, by the time I was 12, I was on it. By the time I was 16, I'd been in and out of rehab. And then at this point, you know, now I'm like, it was a train wreck. So, uh, I, you know, uh, so all the ways of the world weren't, uh, working out very well to get you uh, clean and back on track. Not huh? well at all. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I get saved and I go home. Now, mind you, I am consuming an incredible amount of alcohol daily and drugs daily. As a matter of fact, I'm, so I'm six foot, 200 pounds right now. And at the time that I got saved, I was 145 pounds. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a whole lot of meat on these bones. And I go home and I shut the door and I'm like, okay, God, um, I'm, I'm going to give it all up. So I cleaned the house out, threw all the drugs away, uh, flushed drugs, threw it away, threw the porn tapes away, dumped the alcohol out, uh, the whiskey, all of it, and locked the door, sat out on the couch, realizing what I'm going to go through. Yeah, because you've been through it before. I, I have been through it before. This wasn't my first rodeo, as they say. And I sat down. Well, by day three... I'm still waiting on a side effect. I'm still waiting on a withdrawal. And I had none. Mm -hmm. And that moment I stood up and I said, okay, God, you are real. And I will follow you the rest of my days. I think that's what we would call deliverance. It, and you know, I, I don't know why God chose to allow me to go through it that way. Except for he knows that I am incredibly thick headed <laughs> and, and he needed to do something big to get my attention. Yeah. I've known people coming off of, uh, uh, heroin that have the same story. I went to Bible college with a couple of guys and, um, and then I've known other people that have had the DTs. They have gone through those withdrawal and it was painful. So it isn't something that God promises that he'll always do that, but I've right. seen him do right. that. Right. That's why I say, I don't know why God allowed me to have that blessing, but I am sure appreciative of it yeah. because I know what it is to, to heave your guts all over the place uh, yeah. to the point where you think your lining is coming up with it, you know? Yeah. I, I call what you went through smooches. God just smooched right. you and said, hey, young man, I'm real. I got some plans for you. And so your calling, was it just kind of like uh, just everything else kind of faded away, your desire to, to, to do go deeper in the Lord? or was Yeah, it, it was everything was instant for me. Yeah. Like li literally it was instant. And, and I, um, in 2002, July of 2002 is when God called me end of June, beginning of July to actually go into the ministry. So at that point, uh, I'm driving down the road, you know, and, and I know that you said you want to talk about some God moments, but this is a huge God moment and, and yeah, I'll share it now yes. because it was in my call, right? I'm driving down the road. I self-employed, had my own business and uh, and it was successful business. I was doing very well. And all of a sudden, like this voice, and you know, it's God, you know, mm -hmm. you just, I can't explain it except to it's say. not audible, but it is real. Yeah. It's not audible, but in your head, it's mm -hmm. audible. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> get your attention. Right. And, and God said, I want you to go to Bible college. And I'm like, Lord, I tithe. I give the missions. I am a greeter. I'm a deacon, Sunday school teacher. Like I fill pulpits. Um, Lord, I'm good. I, 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 I don't, I don't need to go to Bible college and God was persistent with it. So I did what everybody does when they're driving down the road and they don't want to hear a noise. They turn the radio up. Right. Mm, yeah. And then it was about, oh, 30 seconds to a minute later, my phone rings and I answer the phone and it's pastor brothers who was a pastor on staff, my, uh, one of my mentors. And he was like, John, we need to, uh, can we have breakfast in the morning? And I go, sure. And we meet 8 a.m. at Cracker Barrel and we meet for breakfast and we're sitting there and, and he's such a gentleman. He's always such a gentleman. And he said, John, I can't wait any longer. I need to tell you, God told me to tell you, you need to go to Bible college. <laughs> Amen. And when he said that, <laughs> when he said that, God said, <clears throat> If you don't go now, I'll never call you again. Mm -hmm. And that voice was just as strong as the voice that said, you need to go to Bible college. So I looked at pastor brothers and I was like, 
okay. And he was stunned. <laughs> He's like, and then uh, I went home and I told Sherry, my wife, I said, God, God said that I, I need to go to Bible college. And my wife said, <laughs> do it 20 years later. Uh, and, and my wife said, I know I've been waiting on you. Like God had already moved her. And so this was like a huge God moment. And I said, okay. And that was the end of June, beginning of July. And by uh, mid-August, it was August 11th, as a matter of fact, we were sitting in Springfield, Missouri. You have to... You have to sell a business, get out from under that. You've got to sell a house. You've got to pull resources together. Uh, You had two little children at the time? Yes, had two girls. Two little beautiful girls. Uh, Dude, thank God for sure. Yeah, I think they were three and four, four and five, because they're they're only a year apart. And move halfway across the country Mm -hmm. where you don't know anybody and start out from scratch. And that was the other thing. When it came to, if God calls you, man, God's in it. Like he'll make it happen. Uh, First Thessalonians 524. Faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. Yeah. It says, and um, when God calls, he will provide, he will equip. Yeah. So he, he tells me uh, when it comes to selling the business, I said, Lord, this is, this is your business. You're calling me to go. So I'm leaving it up to you to take care of it. And he literally, he's like, call Craig. And I went, okay. So I call Craig. Craig says, hey, and I told him, I said, look, man, I'm selling my business. If you know anybody looking uh, for a business, it's for sale. And he goes, John, I can't afford it right now. I said, Craig, I didn't say you. I just said, if you know anybody. Three days later, Craig calls me back and he's like, hey, I want to see the papers or the paperwork, you know? uh, And I was like, sure. So he comes and I, I show him everything on the business. Two weeks later, he owns it. It's, it's just this is these are the stories that all of us who have surrendered to this call yeah we have to have these things happen right and i think god takes tremendous delight like wait till i show johnny and sherry what i'm going to do next and he does he does it so amazing and then i you know i moved to springfield missouri to go to bible college and then um I'm really not interested in working for anyone else. I mean, I'm 35 years old. You know, I'm not a young guy. I'm 35 years old at this point. And you are a businessman. You already were. And so, yeah, I've been back up and started over. I've been self-employed since my early 20s. And so when I get to Springfield, I don't want to work for someone because, number one, uh, I was a 10th grade dropout. So, (laughs) you know, I'm... Like he, I, he hid his <laughs> intelligence very well for a lot of years. You know, like school wasn't my big thing, right? And so, you know, I got my GED. I did all of that. And then I go to Bible college and and I'm, I said, Lord, if I got to have a family and, and I got to go to literally sit in the classroom and I, I need to go to school full time, work full time. That's how a lot of guys yeah. do it. And they wind up in ministry. And and that was it. I was sitting in the classroom from seven thirty in the morning until one thirty, two o'clock in the afternoon. And then I'd go and work my job. And then, uh, and then of course go home and be a family man as well and do all your school work. I mean, it was, it was a load, but man, God blessed and built, uh, grew the business almost instantly. And as a matter of fact, to the point where I sold it a month before I graduated. Mm. I mean, that's just how good God is, right? Well, let me just interject something. You know, when I went to Bible college, it was the school. We went to the same school, Baptist Bible College, Springfield, Missouri. It was a a very large school. I was nobody at school. I was just one of 2,500 students and and, uh, a very low profile. You, on the other hand, uh, I mean, you were already an adult, uh, and and you you weren't just a kid, and the school was a little bit smaller in in your era, but you you went to maybe the most prominent church in in that city, and uh, a lot of people that were leaders in our fellowship got to know you. So, I came to New York kind of under the radar that. that Nobody really knew who I was and didn't really know where I was going and didn't really care because they didn't know me. But you, on the other hand, you, you were high profile. You had, right. uh, you were under a lot of pressure, a lot of eyes watching you uh, when you came that, than when I did. And I think that kind of created a, a little bit more of a, 
a, a difficulty for you uh, once you got here? Well, it, it did in the sense that there were a lot of pastors. And listen, I, for anybody listening to this podcast, I, and if you're one of them, uh, I hold nothing against you. But there were a lot of pastors who made a lot of promises. That didn't keep them. That did not keep them. Now, we'll stop there for a moment. That's not an uncommon. I wish it was uncommon. I wish it were. But it is not an uncommon thing. Right. I had that happen when I came to, and <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the Lord said, I'm going to take care of you, not these other uh, other people. So that was a tough, tough blow. Yeah. And, but I think everybody has to learn that. Well, it, I will tell you what it did for me, um, because by the time I got to New York, a lot of these pastors, were they had already bailed. For whatever reason. Now, I didn't do anything wrong. I wasn't, you yeah, know. I hadn't even gotten started yet. Yeah, I hadn't even, <laughs> hadn't even gotten the ball rolling. I hadn't and, got time to show the, how stupid we really are. Right? And, um, <laughs> and, and it just, what happened was it left me in a position where the only thing my wife and I had was God. Mm-hmm. And that's the way God wanted it. And, you know, that's all we needed. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy to say that after he has provided right. and shown himself mighty. But there are those lonely, difficult moments where in our flesh we kind of want to get angry. And then the God says, stop it. Right. It's all about me. Yeah, because I did get a little angry at these pastors because I'm thinking, well, well, number one, if I if I tell you I'm going to do something, I do it. I keep my word. Dude, I never back up on my word. Even if it costs me, I don't back up because... My word is all I have, right? I mean, here on earth, if you will, that is it. That's my integrity. That's my character. That's my everything. And so when someone doesn't keep their word, it really does frustrate me. <laughs> I can amplify. I'm so, because I'm so black and white. I could amplify that, but I'm not going to. Right, you right. got so much fantastic stuff. I want to get as much into this as possible. Uh-huh. So you, 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 you've, uh, what about New York? How did you land in New York? So uh, graduation is coming. It is December of 05, Christmas of 05. And God, uh, we knew we were, we knew we're getting ready to, I'm graduating in May of 06. And so we sat down and God had told me within the first two or four months of college that I was going to be a pastor in New York. And I'm like, Lord, and he'd never been here before. <laughs> I, right. I didn't know anybody oh, and, and I didn't, and I'm okay. I did not want New York. I it, mainly I, because of the politics and just like, there's so much junk in New Texas. York, man. Right. Is <laughs> some of it's really bad. And so I'm like, Lord, I'll go anywhere, but not New York. Right. It's like anywhere, but <laughs> And so Sherry and I, we sat down at the kitchen table and we open up an atlas, right? Because isn't that what you do when you want to know God's will? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Boom. And so we open it up to the front page where it's got the whole United States and, and Sherry wanted to go to Colorado. So literally I put my finger on Colorado and I said, Colorado out loud. And it was almost again, audible. God said, no. And then I would pick another state and God says no. And another state and God says no. And literally he's saying no. And Sherry and I are like hearing him together. This is how clear it is. Right. And then I went, Sherry had never been wrong yet. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And I said, I said, God, I'll I'll even go to Kentucky. (laughs) Even Kentucky. (laughs) You and, must really love Jesus. Right, right. And God goes, no. And I'm going, junk, man, now what's next, right? So finally I relented and I put my finger on New York and I said, New York. And God said, yes. Yeah, there's a guy up there named the Duke Meister needs some help. <laughs> so what happened was we nailed that down. Then we prayed. And the next day I went back back to class and Bill Levergood, who Dean of men, right. Or yeah. Dean of students or whatever his position is. He's awesome. And he said, um, he was like, Hey John, what are you doing for Christmas on Christmas break? I said, dude, you're never going to believe this. I am going to New York. <laughs> and he goes, what? I said, God has called me to New York and I'm going to drive out there 
and just do a survey trip to see and make sure that that's where God wants me. And he said, Hey, I have a friend out there in New York. Cause he said, where are you going in New York? And that was the other thing. When, when God confirmed New York, we opened the, uh, the Atlas to New York and we started West and worked our way East. So we were like, Buffalo, Rochester, Rochester Syracuse, Syracuse, right? And we work all around. I did the opposite. I started out in Albany and headed west, but I got to Albany and God said, stop. That's where I want you. So every time I would say, like I, I pointed it out, I said Buffalo. And again, God's very clear, no. And then Rochester, no. Syracuse, no. And I just kept going and I hit Albany and yes. So, so that's about the time I get a phone call. Yeah. So he says, he goes, Hey, I got, uh, I got a friend of mine. Uh, Duke Herget is in Albany. Uh, I will call him. I'll give you his number. And so, uh, I called you and we set up a time to, uh, visit, which was actually January. We drove out here January, um, or December 31st because you had a new year's Eve party that you didn't invite me to, but I, I, I forgave you for that. Right. I mean, he, he didn't know me. Let's face it. Right. So January 1st, that morning you show up to the hotel, big and, day, big, big day. And you're like, I'm going to drive you all around. And so you drove us for eight hours, dude, we were in that car and my girls were perfect listen, angels. I'm going to tell you, I have, my girls are fantastic. They're not perfect by any means, but man, they are fantastic. And they just sat in the back of the car and drew and never, you never even knew they were there. They were just so good. And, and like, again, they were like four or five at the time, five or six, somewhere around there. And so, yeah, five or six, cause I think they were in first grade mm -hmm. when, when they moved here or when we moved here. So at any rate, we drive all around and you're showing us everything. And then, so you got this huge state, not Buffalo, not Rochester, not Syracuse, Albany. Albany. Now in Albany, there's about 55 communities. Why East Greenbush? So I love this story. We're dry, right? So <laughs> so we come up to a stop sign, we turn right, and I and I simply and God said, "This is home." And so I asked you, I said, "Hey, where are we at?" You go East Greenbush. I was like, "Oh, okay." But, but I'd asked you other places too. Yeah, it wasn't yeah like, this is, you asked me that 20 times that day. Yeah, it wasn't no big deal. Just, and so that was about 2 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We get back to the hotel, it's dark 30. It was like 5 6 o'clock by the oh, time yeah. you dropped us off. <laughs> yeah, it's dark about 3 o'clock in that time of the year, right? <laughs> and so it was about 5 6 o'clock. We're sitting in the hotel. We turned the TV on. Girls are watching TV. And I asked Sherry, I said, if God were to call us out here, where do you think it would be? She said, East Greenbush. <laughs> God is so awesome. And I said, where in the world were you when you got that idea? And she said, well, we came down this dip and up to the red light. There was a true value on the left and a yep. KFC in front of us. And coming up to the red light, God said this was home. And it was the exact intersection. The only difference was we came up to the red light and turned right, and God said this was home. Mm -hmm. I make that uh, turn every time I come to uh, your office to do our podcasting. Isn't that And crazy? every time I stop there, this, this story goes through yeah. my mind, you know, just and, that. And I will tell you this, that moment is what has kept me yeah. in New York. Yeah, never doubt in darkness what God shows you in the light. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because uh, there were times of which I will get to. Well, but, hold on, because that leads yeah. right into my next question. <laughs> Was there any culture shock when you came to New York? <laughs> oh, dude. I just uh, thought I'd, I wanted to get that in to segue. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome so, to New York, John. It was, yeah, New York. Uh, okay, I, I was, this is probably the best way I can put it. Uh, New York is not a real friendly place to newcomers. <laughs> There were no banners waiting in these green bush. As a matter of fact, one lady, we went to, we weren't here a week and, uh, we go to, or maybe a month. Anyway, we go get a sandwich. Sherry and I were at the sandwich shop and the lady, there was a lady in front of us and I said hello to her and she turned around and she goes, where are you from? Obviously you're not from around here because you know, we, we apparently had a Southern drawl to us. And I said, uh, I said, well, we, we moved here. Oh, she goes, why, why are you here? <laughs> what made you move to New York? That's what it was. And I said, well, uh, I'm a pastor and we came here to start a church. 
And her response was, oh, we got to watch another pastor starve to death because their God can't take care of them. Ooh. Ooh. That was welcome <laughs> See, in, New in New York. York <laughs> in New York, people sort of tell you what they think, you know. That was they don't have that fake friendly York. on you. They just come in. What are you doing here? Right. Who, who asked you? Yeah. Yeah, leave me alone. I'm busy. Oh, dude, she, yeah. And I, I said, well, my God will take care of us. And she goes, yeah, sure, sure. And she turned around. That was the end of the conversation. And I thought to myself, welcome to New York. <laughs> yes, I forgot to tell you how it was going to be when you got here, Johnny. But I knew you'd find out. Oh, yeah, we found out. Oh, and my goodness. Uh, I have, you're, you're hitting all the right nails on the head on what was on my heart. Uh, for you to share your heart with uh, with the uh, Pastor Duke podcast uh, team. Uh, give a couple uh, memorable moments of God's miraculous provision. We've seen moments of God's miraculous guidance, mm-hmm. and boy, you just don't ever forget those moments. You really don't. But then there, you get here, it's the culture shock. It's the cost of living, which was almost double what you were used to in Missouri. Oh, yeah. Missouri and, uh, was Disneyland USA. Yeah, just above Branson, literally. Just said. Everything was cheap in Missouri. Yeah, I know. It, it, that, that's really rocked us right. when we got here. And then people, people wouldn't talk to you. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is where you brought me, Lord. But then you get here and... You've ex- you've exhausted all your resources just to get here. Yeah. Now it's the third time you're starting out all over again, and you got to see provision. You've had false promises that you were kind of banking on, and they they turn out to be empty. And, and you get here, and your back's against the wall, but God is our wall. Yeah, you know. And here's the thing: um, people ask me if I would recommend going to a place like I did, because here's the thing, we had very minimal uh, financial backing. And when I say minimal, I'm talking- He ain't kidding. <laughs> our bills were 4,500 a month just to live here with our with our house payment and, and just the cost of living. And we had, at that time, we had $1,500 a month uh, coming in for support so just three thousand in the in the deficit every yeah, month every month and, and and uh four miles to feed and uh, right yeah and, and here was the thing i when i promised god at exit nine in clifton park at the best western right i was mm-hmm. i remember standing out in the parking lot leaning against a tree and uh by myself and just tears just streaming down my face and i said god I will come here and I will serve you because this is when, when he made it clear in East Greenbush, right? And I, I will serve you. And here's all I ask, uh, Lord, that you always allow me, I'll never be frivolous with my money, but you always allow me to pay my bills so that I am a good testimony to you. That, and that's, that's, that was my prayer. And Lord, the only thing I ask for is enough extra to take my family out to dinner once a week. That's all I ask for. And, and of course, God has far exceeded that by now, you know, but, yeah. but when we moved here, um, we didn't go on deputation. We didn't go around raising money. We didn't ask anybody. And God said, you don't ask anybody for anything that I can give you. Your heavenly father who seeth in secret will reward you yeah. openly. openly. Yeah. And, yeah. and I never, even, even when I came and I spoke at your church and you had me in, I, not one time did I ever ask you for support. Right. Yeah. I love that about you because that's got how God wired me, kind of younger man from old school. And boy, God shows up, doesn't he? It, he shows up big time. And so when we get here, now we have, uh, well, what's really interesting is getting here, we're, we're, we rent, uh, we have the house sold in Springfield. We rented a, a Penske truck. We're driving it out here. We get to Indianapolis, Indiana. I get a phone call. Oh, and, and we're supposed to sign on the house on August 18th here. And I get a phone call that the buyer backed out of the house in Springfield. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. And then two minutes later, I get a phone call that the house we bought here uh, fell through. <laughs> so now I'm like, what? And then the then I, I told God, I said, Lord, because I was so confident that he wanted us here. And I said, God, if you... 
uh, the only way I will turn this truck around, because, you know, you start having question marks. Like, this what's is called going on? testing, testing, testing. Right. And, yep. and I said, God, the only way that I am not going to New York is if you pick this truck up and you turn it around. Otherwise, I'm going to New York, Lord. This is of you. I know it's of you, and I'm not turning around. We get, we, I call Sherry, told her what happened. We stopped for lunch. We get back in the truck. We're driving here, and I get a phone call. Hey, John, if you can be here at such and such time, which was August 18th, if you can be here at August 18th by 3 o'clock, uh, we can sign on the house. I was like, no problem, man. I'm, I'm well ahead of schedule for that. The truck breaks down. <laughs> it won't climb a hill. Then uh, I'm like five mile an hour up hills, and it's like two, three in the morning because now I got to push hard, right, is to do all I can to get here. And the truck no, won't no run pressure. right. No yeah, pressure. The truck's not running right, and so I stopped to fuel up. The credit card's been canceled. And, I'm, and so I call them up, and I go, I go, hey, guys, what's, what's going on with my credit card? Because I have no debt, right? I, I I've, I haven't had debt since 1996 other than my house payment. And so I call a credit card and they said, oh, well, it looks like fraudulent. Yeah, because you're out of state. <laughs> yeah, because I'm going across the country, right? And I go, it is me. Turn my card back on, right? <laughs> I'm frustrated. And uh, so anyway, we finally get it. And we're driving all through the night. We sleep in a parking lot for a couple hours. We get up. We're trying to finish getting here on time. It looks like we're going to make it. And I get a phone call that says, the house fell through. We can't get the house. I'm like, mm. whatever. Okay. So we get to New York and they won't sell us a house. Something had happened. So I asked him, I said, Hey, let me rent the house. Can I rent the house daily until I'd like to have someplace for my family to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I go, let us just rent the house daily until we get this worked out. And they said, uh, we'll let you rent the house, but you can't unload the truck. <laughs> And I said, just let me rent the house. So they rented the house to me. You guys came over, helped us clean it. Yeah. And if you remember, we remember. unloaded the truck. Yeah, by faith. And and we put everything in every room. It was my house. It's my house. You rented it. Yeah. And so I, uh, and the realtor was like, you can't do that. I go, honey, this is my house. God said it's my house. You guys can't get your end figured out, but I got my end figured out. <laughs> we unloaded everything. And then... Three, four days later, we signed on the house and we, mm -hmm. we had the house. So uh, God moved like that. And then one day we're, I'm out cutting grass. And I, I love, love, love this story. Right. So I'm out cutting grass and, um, you know, literally we're living by faith. Because remember, I need 4500 a month. And it ain't there. It's not there. We've only got about 1500 coming in. And I'm cutting grass and my wife comes out and she's like, um, I turned the mower off and, and she said, Hey, uh, we don't have enough money to pay our rent. We're a thousand dollars short. And then I'm like, you're talking to the wrong guy. <laughs> and I started the mower up and I drove off. Now, when I drove off, I'm like, Lord, 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 I need you to do something big here. And this is on a Friday afternoon. Monday, we checked the mailbox. There's a check in there for $1,000 from a pastor I met one time who heard what I was doing in New York, said, hey, thought you could use this. God bless. And it was a check for $1,000. From Jesus. Right? God had already so, worked it all out. Are you saying God knows math? Man, I'm telling you, God knows math. He knows your address. He knows your needs. Like he, he knows your needs before you ask the exact amount, huh? Yeah. I, lo I love that story. Isn't that so cool? And, and here's the thing. It happened over and over and over again. And one of the things that it did, it, it literally created an excitement for Sherry and I, and especially for Sherry, because I'm not, I, I say this humbly, but if God told me to go, I just go. I mean, I, I've, I've always just been yeah. obedient. But for Sherry, because, you know, women need security, for her, there's a little bit of a, uh, a nervousness, anxiety, right? But as time went on, for her, it all went away. She even got excited to check the mailbox because yeah. we knew that if there was a need, it was in the mailbox. Yeah. I call all, that whole spirit, uh, spirit of 
spiritual reckless abandonment. Yeah. God said it. We're moving. If he ain't big, if he doesn't do miracles, we're dead meat. Right. And, and he did over and over and over again. Exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or even thought. Yeah. Huh? And, and he gave, yeah, he even gave more than we asked. So you saw first the kingdom of God and his righteous. What happened? Oh man. <laughs> so blessed. Dude. We're so blessed. And, and that was, that was the thing. And I can tell you story after story after story, how God just constantly met our needs over and over and over again. And uh, yeah, it was just an amazing time. We always run out of uh, time before we run out of story. And I know, just, uh, right? Hey, I got uh, st- stuff here. So. Yeah, go ahead. go ahead. What would you, uh, there, there's a, a lot of heartbreak. I mean, look at the heartbreak of Jesus, you mm-hmm. know, and came into his own, his own received him not. And and part of the ministry is heartbreak. Uh, I, I, we're going to really close on the high spiritual side, but it's important for people to know what pastors go through. And I've seen you get your guts yeah. really ripped out along the way. Uh, just share. Yeah, you, uh, you've witnessed more than anyone else. Uh, but uh, right? I've, <laughs> I've seen Johnny get knocked down, but I've never seen him get knocked out. Mm. Just just share. Uh, you know, we got about uh, 14, 15 minutes left here. Just yeah. share a heartbreak, and then I'm going to going to ask you after that what keeps you going, and we're going to end on a flurry here. Well, usually I, I will tell you. As a pastor, um, my biggest heartbreaks came from came from other people that, um, whether it be pastors or people in the congregation, that uh, that attack. Mm-hmm. And you don't expect it because you've left home three times to be here. You've made all these sacrifices. You're trusting God for everything, and 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 you're you're seeking nothing from people except for them to be to know and walk close to God. I just and wanted then, to get saved and and glorify God. And then you get attacked. Oh yeah, and and there was a uh, probably the worst. Um, uh, I mean, we had times where. Um, we got kicked out of buildings because they said church was bad for their image, so they quit renting to us. And then we had to find a place. And and but then God moved, and you see a big movement. And then people quit giving, and so we were about to lose it. We, and we were two weeks from folding, and I had to go before the people and say, "Listen, um, if if you want this church, you gotta. You, it's up to you." And I'll show yeah, you. Yeah, you've how done f- all you can do. You can't do anymore. Well, I even told him. I said, "I'm so in." to make this work that I sacrificed my paycheck at that time. Cause we were in two and a half years at this point. And at that time I was only making like 1200, 1300 a month, uh, from the church and then offset by people that gave. And, um, and I said, listen, I'll sacrifice my paycheck. So for one year I sacrificed any money from the church and went and got another job. So now I'm working 90 hours a week to take care of my family and to keep the church going. Yeah. And, up, up from 80. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, right? And, and, and of course then God blessed and, and that was a hard time, but then there was a time and this was about 10 years ago and it was probably the worst one where a lady accused me of being inappropriate. Now, um, she didn't say I touched her. She didn't nothing like that but she said that I was inappropriate with her. And then, then I had, I called you and, uh, and of course uh, we're sitting at a restaurant and I'm bawling my eyes out. Right. I mean, snot slobbering crying because it's like, what in the world is happening here? And so I asked you to step in and navigate my leaders. And then I had to step out of the pulpit and let all this, flush out yeah run his course because it was all a bunch of lies but and then well and, how satan works and come to find out what it ended up being was the lady came to church and her husband kept saying uh oh you're gonna quit that because you quit everything blah 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 and but then he was telling her to get out of the church and i mean like it, her her house was just an incredible mess and then she uh in her brain the only way she could figure out how to get out was she accused me mm-hmm. of being inappropriate. 
which gave her reason to never come back and her husband to not verbally abuse her and get off her back. Yeah. And, and so, uh, it was, it was crazy. And, and, but it all, it all worked out to where, you know, it all came, the, the truth all came to the surface and, uh, and it was absolutely insane and heartbreaking and devastating to me, but man, God, God spared the ministry. And here we are 10 years later, still winning people to Jesus and discipling yeah. and, and doing good. But, but I'm going to tell you, man, that was gut wrenching, not just for me, but for my family as well. And my girls at this point are seven and eight or eight and nine, somewhere around there. And, you know, they're, they're like, I mean, they're in tears and my wife's in tears and, and, uh, my daughters at that age, they're like, dad, why is this happening? You know? And, um, it was just like, it was a devastating time, man. Yeah. The only answer is, uh, Satan is a roaring lion. Walk the butt seeking who made me devour. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But, uh, I've seen, I've seen you get beat, but I've always seen you come beat up, but I've always seen you come forth as gold. Yeah. And uh, there, there's no shortcuts. I think I might have told you that once or twice back in those early days. Yeah, there's no shortcuts. And, and I'm going to tell you, man, it's trying times. It is such trying times. Uh, and and just because people are in church doesn't mean they're godly. As a matter of fact, uh, many of them are ungodly and they're wolves in sheep's clothing that are trying to... Because Satan, listen, Satan uh, will send in the wolf, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And I mean, I had guys coming in and, um, you know, of course there's always those that are trying to buy the pastor. <laughs> we could tell a whole podcast on that one. Right. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. I'm not for sale. Yeah. Amen. I'm not for sale. And I've so, already been bought with a price. Uh, hello. Jesus. Uh, dude, there's a point. Yeah, I get a point for that. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I want, there's a couple other things I just want to get at. And, yeah. um, the thing, uh, what, what keeps you gone, man? What keeps you gone? It's funny. I, this past Wednesday, I had a conversation with, uh, with my church and, uh, we were talking and there's, there's been a multitude of things happen that, that really caused you to reflect and just look back. And one of the things that, um, really came to mind is, and, and I think this is the answer to the question that you're asking is, I love Jesus. Like, I mean, I love Jesus and, um, you don't forget his deliverance. You, you can't, you don't forget his voice. You don't forget his direction. Yeah. You don't forget his, yeah. uh, his provision. And, and my passion, my passion is to help others see Jesus the way I do. And no matter what, the cost. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. The, the, the cost is insignificant. Uh, when, because here's the reality, man. Um, you know, even the Bible says, don't be afraid of the one that can kill the flesh, but, uh, fear the one that can, uh, destroy the flesh and the soul. Yeah. You know, pastor John has been faithful in, in allowing me to come and minister to his flock. Uh, it seems like a couple of times every year, at least. Yeah, which, by the uh, way, it's about time to get you back. Yeah, you better jump on that calendar. I know, because we'll have to do that today. There's a lot of other pastors dumb enough to have me in. Right. (laughs) But every time I come uh, to uh, Connecting Point Church, there's new people that have just gotten saved. And Pastor John, oh, this is so-and-so. They just came to Christ. They just came to Christ. They just came to Christ. We just baptized this people. We just baptized it. Oh, we so-and-so got baptized. And that's one of the things I love about you. You've never lost uh, your love for souls. You've, you you just always are strategic. You're not trying to do, do church. You're trying to advance a kingdom. Amen. And uh, you've been very fruitful at that. And I admire that about yeah, you. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, uh, I don't care about numbers. Listen, you you take care of the people. The numbers take care of themselves. Yeah, amen. Yeah, don't try to build a church. Try to build people, and you'll build both. It, exactly. And and if you build the people, then when a storm comes, they'll stand. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need because that's what they need. And and as a society, as a body of believers, uh, as, as a human being, uh, we need to be sure-footed. And you can only be sure-footed if you're built on the rock of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
I wish we could do 45 minutes on that topic, but I have one more big question. I love it. Do you have a moment or two where you just overwhelmingly felt the, you've kind of given a couple of those already, I guess, but where you just felt the acute presence of God? Yeah, you know, um, so I felt God in my call. I have felt God in clear direction that he's given me. And, um, man, there's, there, mm. you know, the biggest, I guess the biggest thing for me is the move, right? The moving from, mm -hmm. uh, from there to here, from North Carolina to Missouri, Missouri to here. And then all the in-betweens that I've shared with you and countless times where things have come into my life. And I just like, God just gives me this peace, man, that just absolutely overwhelms me and um everything you're doing makes absolutely no human sense but god exactly exactly yeah. and and I, you know because you asked me that question earlier so that i had time to think about it and as i think about it um man there's just oh time after time as a matter of fact here's what's interesting I, i'll share this with you uh, I'm preaching through, cause I do expository, uh, preaching. If you ever go on to, uh, connecting point church, East Greenbush, which by the way, we were the first connecting point church. <laughs> At any rate, if you go on there to East Greenbush and look up our church and then go and listen to the sermons, you can find it on YouTube and all that. And, uh, I preach through books. That's what I do. I'm expository preacher. Here's what Johnny preaches. The next verse. There you go. <laughs> we <laughs> complete one another's sentences. Now, oh, so oh, dude, listen. We're asking for prayer. For I love you, man. I'm telling you. So I'm preaching through the book of Nehemiah when we got two things going on. Well, I'm preaching through the book of Nehemiah, and we're getting ready to take a new space, and we have to completely remodel it because the truth is, it was a rentable space for storage, but not, not for everything we needed. It, like we literally had to go in and remodel from the studs out the, the entire space that we got. And I'm preaching through the book of Nehemiah, which I was supposed to have, uh, I was going to start preaching through it like three months prior to that. And God's like, nope, 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 nope. And then I'm in the middle of a book and God says, start preaching through Nehemiah now. So I started preaching through Nehemiah. We get to the point where uh, he's building the wall and his enemies are attacking. Sanballat and Tobiah, they're still here. <laughs> and as I'm preaching through that, we are living it. All of a sudden is when I get falsely accused. Mm. Right? And now we're trying to remodel or rebuild, if you will, uh, a space for us to have church because we're growing and we need, we need the space. And I'm getting attacked. And yet God says, keep moving forward. The people are going, um, Pastor, I can't see that vision. And I said, well, this is what we're going to do. And I lay it all out. And they're like, Pastor, I, I, I can't see it. And, and I'm just telling you, God's gospel. I'm not even exaggerating. They go, I, I can't see it. I said, well, here's what I need you to do. As we're fighting the enemy, and, and, and I had just uh, had to step aside but the work didn't stop. And, and now, um, every, you know, this whole process of the attack and, and so that, that kind of got flushed out within about a week and a half, uh, to two weeks yep. and then, laid it out all on the table and God cleaned it up and then God cleaned it up. And then we had to get back to the, the rebuild of the new space and, man, God, God just kept opening doors and the money came in to make sure it was done. We were debt free. We're still debt free as a church and the people were following and they were building and they were, and even when they go, pastor, I can't see it. I go, just keep going. And it wasn't until we, and you matter of fact, you and some people from your church came over and helped us. Uh, some people from my home church, Midway Baptist church in Raleigh, North Carolina, they came, a group of them came and helped us. And Within, within, I think, two months, we three months, we had it completely done, which was amazing, and it was beautiful. It's still beautiful. 
And God just kept moving through. There's that a little whole corner thing. in the ceiling where you had to block this out, and I had, and there was a there was a preacher friend of yours named Pastor Duke <laughs> who framed that out. It's the only thing I ever built in my life, and it looks good. It, it looks does. good. It's still there. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't put your name on it, but we know. No, right? I did. We I got did, pictures. Uh, we have yeah. pictures. Yes, yes, it's a miracle, right? And uh, but through all of that, and I thought, man, only of God to move me to preach Nehemiah. And then as I'm preaching Nehemiah, we're literally living it out. Yeah. Yeah. The living word of God. Okay. I'm going to be very, and it prepared the people and it was amazing. Anyway. I'm going to be very cruel to you now in closing. Okay. okay. I'm going to give you two minutes. Okay. We're yeah. going to wrap this up. Do you think Jesus is coming soon? <laughs> I know you got two hours. I'm giving you two minutes. And if so, why? Okay, so I'm going to say, yes, he's coming very soon. And I'm also going to say this is why. We read in Matthew chapter 24, and Jesus uh, says, when you see all these things happen, I think it's 24, 6 through 12. And he says, when you see all these things happen, know that the time is near. If you go back and you read that, everything has unfolded in America Exactly as Jesus says, except for one thing, the famine. Mm -hmm. But the famine is at the door. Yeah. As a matter of fact, our, our, our current resident made the statement that famine is coming. Like two months ago, he said it. Three months ago, he said it. Mm -hmm. It's in the news. Google it. Uh, it's in, I mean, even, even CNN is talking about it. Mm -hmm. And so everything, everything has unfolded that Jesus said, except for the famine. That's at our door. It's, it's happening as you and I are speaking. And I believe without question that Jesus is coming sooner than anybody can imagine. Amen. Amen. Well, did I do good? You, you did good. <laughs> you did really good, Johnny. Hey, folks. Now, well, you know. first off, I want to say thank you for having me on your podcast, man. I'm so oh, humbled shucks. and honored. And um, thank you for allowing me to share. Hey, uh, Pastor Duke podcast family. You see why I love this guy. <laughs> I know you love him too. Uh, I think God uses me to just kind of balance Johnny out in a couple spots, but he, God sure <laughs> uses Johnny to fire me up every time. I'll get kind of dry. I don't know what to do. I call John and get five podcasts out of every, every conversation. So, hey, God bless you. Uh, what do you call What do you have to do to this? Inscribe, describe? Yeah. Uh, so what you do is like, subscribe, yeah. follow. Yeah. And, and listen to According to John. Yeah, please. Listen, please go to According to John, any platform. You'll find it. Uh, and hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks a lot. Love you, folks. See you next time. Bye-bye for now. God bless.